The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed with host and author of the award-winning book of the same name, Lisa Lutan. Lisa has amazing tips to help you slow down, get healthy, manage your time, improve your relationships, and deal with stress. Now, here is Lisa Lutan. Hey, everyone. I am beyond excited for today's show. (sighs) Do you ever wake up at 3 or 4 in the morning and just start panicking because you can't fall back asleep? Well, that happened to me when I recently, okay, full disclosure, it happens to me on many occasions, but that particular night I thought to myself, I need to find a sleep expert to help me and just about everybody else I know, including my friend Nicole, who I know is listening, that is around my age to figure out how to get a good night's sleep. Well, I found the perfect guy and his name is Dr. Michael Bruce, also known as, drumroll please, The Sleep Doctor. (laughs) Dr. Bruce, PhD, is a clinical psychologist and both a diplomat of the American Board of Sleep Medicine and a fellow of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. He's on the advisory board of the Dr. Oz Show and appears regularly on the show. He's also appeared on Oprah, CNN, and just about every other TV show you've ever heard of. And he is the sleep expert for WebMD. How lucky are we to have him here with us today? So lucky. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Lisa. So I always start every guest with the Lisa Five Ask Every Guest questions. Oh, Number one, right. what did you have for breakfast today? So I do a um, protein shake every morning. It, it's called a Vega One, and it, it gives me literally all of my greens and my protein uh, and all of that for the day. And then usually I have... About 10.30 or so, I have what's called an RX bar. These are these new, really simplistic bars. Um, they only have six ingredients in them, and they're quite delicious. So that's what I've done today so far. Which is your favorite flavor? Uh, so I actually have always historically been a vanilla guy, and I tried the chocolate, and I'm still a vanilla guy. <laughs> uh, that chocolate sea salt one is pretty good, I have to say. Yeah. Anyway, question number two. What is your favorite form of exercise? Uh, you know, lately I've been doing these um, spinning classes, the, you know, the stationary bicycle. Um, I like it because I can kind of get in there and the music is really loud and I can just kind of lose myself and I follow the instructors. So I don't have to think a whole lot. Um, so lately I've been doing um, spinning probably three to four times a week. What is a habit you're trying to either break or add to your life? Um, late night snacking is what I'm trying to break. I do really well during the day, but like I, I'm, I'm more of a wolf, uh, which is more like a night, night person. And so I have a tendency to be up until 11, 30, 12 o'clock. And I find that right around 10, 30, I get these, like, I don't, I'm not even really that hungry. I just all of a sudden I start snacking on things, which is, it just ruins all the work I did during the day. I can help you with that one. Um, how do you spend the first hour of your day? 
Uh, the first hour of my day, um, I wake up and um, I drink a glass, uh, 8 to 12 ounce glass of water. And um, if it's sunny out, I try to get a little bit of sunlight uh, first thing in the morning. Then I go and I wake up my kids and they both ask me for five more minutes. And so then I uh, go and I walk the dogs and I come back and then I wake up my kids again um, and get them in the shower. And then I start making them breakfast in the mornings. Um, and then uh, I take them to school. And when I come back from that, that's usually when I do more of my sort of meditations or, you know, big picture thinking, um, and then eventually go to the gym. And who is someone in your life that inspires you? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I'd have to say uh, Mehmet Oz um, has done a wonderful um, job with me. He's kind of taken me under his wing at times, and he's been, he's a really inspirational person, especially if you know him on a personal level. So I would say that Dr. Oz has done uh, some just really gifts of his time to me, which have been really amazing. That's so great to hear. So let's now get to the real topic here, sleep. What do I do? (laughs) I'm going to go right to the chase here. What do I do? I wake up at 3 or 4 in the morning. I can't fall asleep. What do I do? Okay, so a couple things to think about. So do you usually, is this for you or is this in general? I think this is me, but I, a lot of my clients have the same issue. A lot of my friends sure. have the same issue. No problem. So, okay. Um, so I guess the first thing um, I would say is do you wake up, generally speaking, at a uh, particular time? For me, it's like 3.36. Usually 3.36. Okay. Because everybody actually knows their time. It's quite fascinating when you ask people. They, they know it to the minute. Um, which in and of itself is interesting. What time do you go to bed? I've been trying to go to bed earlier. So I've been trying to go to bed by like 10.30 now. Okay. So I used, and, to, I used um, to go to bed much later. And what time do you wake up? Well, between 5.30 and 6 usually. And I don't wake up every night at 3.36, but some nights. And if I sleep the whole night, I'm the happiest person on the planet. So if you slept the whole night but got the same roughly number of minutes of sleep, would you still be the happiest person on the planet or would you be upset that you woke up? I'd be okay. As long as I can go back to sleep, I'm fine. I've gotten over that. Gotcha. Okay, good. Um, so first of all, this is the most common form of insomnia. And I, I'm not convinced, by the way, that you had full-blown insomnia simply because um, you wake up occasionally in the middle of the night. That's not what I would consider to be insomnia. Insomnia would really be more... Um, this is happening three to four times a week for three to four weeks at a time um, where you're awake for more than probably 30 or 40 minutes. How long are you awake for, by the way? Well, like this morning I woke up and I never really fell back asleep, but I heard my mom's voice in my head that she used to say to me when I was a little girl, just rest. And, you know, so I just kind of rested and it's not even stress. (laughs) You know, I'm just thinking, I get very excited about all the things going on and I get, uh, oh, I can't wait to do that. I better write that down. And it's not a stressful thing. It's kind of an excited thing. Okay. So very, very common. So your mother was correct. Um, it turns out that about an hour's worth of rest is worth about 20 or so minutes of sleep just from a rejuvenative standpoint. So if you do wake up in the middle of the night, if you don't have to go to the bathroom, don't. Uh, Most people don't realize this, but in order for your brain to enter into a state of unconsciousness, your heart rate needs to be around 60 or below, okay? 
if you're lying, uh, you know, down uh, and you sit up, gravity forces your heart rate to increase just to be able to pump blood to your brain and you'll automatically go higher than 60. If you get out of bed, you're for sure your heart rate will be higher than 60 unless you're like some elite athlete out there um, where your heart rate is already super low to begin with. So the mere act of sitting up and standing up is actually going against the ability to go back to sleep. Now, if you do have to go to the bathroom, obviously go to the bathroom. Um, but when you get back in bed or while lying in bed, the key is your breathing. And being able to slow your breathing will help slow your heart rate. And if your body still wants to go back to sleep, you should be able to enter back into you know, a fairly decent state of unconsciousness fairly quickly by just, again, maintaining a really um, slow, you know, kind of diaphragmatic breathing in the middle of the night. You'll be surprised at how quickly you fall back to sleep. So sometimes that does work, but sometimes that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And may- maybe, well, I'm trying to think. So I, mean, I know that sometimes it works. Maybe it is I get up and I think, oh, maybe that's why I woke up or something like that. So this is fascinating. Well, when, you, so- when it doesn't work, um, that's okay, too. Um, that's the first thing to try. The second thing is, is you mentioned that you're excited about kind of cool things that are happening in your day. So one of the things that I have done historically is I keep a pad um, by my bed because I'm convinced that I get some of my best ideas in the universe um, right before bed or in the middle of the night. Um, mm-hmm. And the truth is, is you actually get your best ideas right after you wake up. So one of the things that I've gotten into the habit of doing is uh, writing notes in the morning of things that I was dreaming about or thinking about or ideas that I have. And I do keep the, be- the pad beside my bed. Believe it or not, they now make pens. And when you click them, there's actually a light on the end of it. And so you can actually see what you're writing in the middle of the night, which is kind of cool. so that cool. Way- I actually yeah. keep a pad and pen with me at spin class because that's where I get my best ideas. But that's so, a great idea. Light up pen. So they, so you just go to Google and you type in, you know, light up pen. Um, and some of them are kind of the fun, funky ones that are flashing lights. But they're, they're the ones I'm talking about, the actual tip of the pen. So where the ink comes out, there's a little uh, light diode there that lights up. And so you can actually write at night. So maybe if you put, you know, pen that writes at night. Uh, into Google, you, you should be able to find it. And it's great to get those ideas out of your system because then you're like, okay, whew, I got it out of my system. I know what I'm thinking, you know, or you made your list for the next day and, and you kind of can put that aside. And if you will, just kind of close the chapter in your brain for the night. A lot Makes of times total sense. Because it's one of two things. It's either an emotional response or it's a physiological response that's keeping you up. So the physiological response is if you have to go to the bathroom or something else. It's, it's either that you have to go to the bathroom or it's this increased heart rate because you've sat up or stood up. Got it. Okay. Okay. So basically, we just stay in bed if we can. We keep breathing, meditative breathing, I'm guessing, and just stay there and worst case rest. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay, cool. Everybody out there, are you listening? I know so many people who are waiting for this answer. So that's awesome. So tell me, how did you originally become a sleep doctor? <laughs> well, it's interesting. Um, so I, um, I have a PhD in clinical psychology, and um, I was on my uh, residency. And during residency, you have the opportunity to do rotations in different areas of mental health. So you can do addiction, you can do marriage counseling, eating disorders, uh, neuropsychology, you name it. And there was a sleep track. And for some reason, nobody was doing it. 
because there was a limited number of spaces. There were only two spaces in the sleep shack. And uh, I had worked my way through graduate school running all of those machines. I worked in the electrophysiology department because I kind of like to tinker with things. And um, I knew how to work the machines. And so I, I kind of went over to them and I said, hey, I'd be interested in signing up for this. And um, they said, well, what do you know about sleep? I said, I don't know anything about sleep, but I can, I can run every machine that you've got in here. And they're like, you're hired. And, um, <laughs> by the third day, I absolutely fell in love with clinical sleep medicine. You know, I, I, at least I get an opportunity that not a lot of people get. I, I can help people sometimes in less than 48 hours. Like, and when I say help people, I mean change their lives in less than 48 hours. It's, it's truly a gift to have the opportunity to have the knowledge base to be able to identify something in somebody and say, holy cow, we could do this, or I've identified you have apnea or narcolepsy or even insomnia. And, uh, and sometimes just the identification can bring such a, a great relief to a patient because they're like, oh, finally somebody who kind of gets what's going on with me. So it's, it's really been a, an awesome, awesome experience. I've been practicing for 17 years now, and it never gets old. That's awesome. I mean, being able to help people, A, is just so great, but help people so quickly, that's just beyond great it's crazy i know it's nuts <laughs> it is nuts and thank god thank thank god that you're out there because there's so many people that are suffering and it's funny in my book i have a chapter called if i don't sleep i weep because it's true uh, you know we get so down so fast yeah. when we're not getting a good night's sleep well and the truth of the matter is is i mean sleep sleep affects our emotions right i mean it's not just a physiological aspect of you know sleep deprivation it affects our reaction time. It affects our, physi- uh, you know, our physical nature. It decreases our immune function. We actually um, feel pain more, even with the exact same pain stimulus. Great uh, study out of the University of Chicago where they did this thing called the cold presser test. So check this out. They take college students and they have this big bucket of ice water and they measure the temperature of the ice water, make sure it's like almost at freezing. And then they have to take up their socks and shoes and they have to submerge their feet all the way up past their calves, almost to their knees, and then they have, a, they have to time them, see how long they can keep it, keep their feet in the bucket, and it's extremely painful, but it doesn't cause any physical damage to the, the tissue. So they, they have these kids do this, and then they sleep deprive them, so they let them only get about five hours of sleep. Did you know the kids pulled their feet out twice as fast? So the exact same stimulus hurt twice as much with sleep I believe that completely. I mean, Crazy. think about, I know for myself, when I get a good night's sleep, I can take on the world. And if I haven't, you know, I'll start getting depressed. I get sad. I just don't have as good a workout. I start craving the wrong foods, you know, all that stuff. So it's an amazing. It really is, I think, one of the most important things for our health overall. So one of the things Absolutely. that you Talk about our chronotypes. I'd love for you to describe what a chronotype is. Sure. So my new book is called The Power of When, and it's all about the chronotypes and what are chronotypes. And so first of all, everybody out there knows what they are, but they may not have heard the word chronotype before. Um, so if you've ever been told that you're an early bird or a night owl or you know somebody that is, those are chronotypes. Um, and um, it turns out that historically, we've always looked at that kind of the ends of the spectrum, the early birds, and the night owls. But there's a lot of people, actually almost 50% of people that are in between those two. And then I've got my problem sleepers. And so I felt like this wasn't accurate in terms of ways to assess um, what was going on with my patient population. And so 
what I did was I created a quiz that people can take, and you can fall into one of four different buckets or chronotypes. So one of them is early birds, but I call them lions. Uh, I chose lions because lions have a tendency to wake up actually very early. Uh, their first kill is usually at dawn, and that's exactly what a lion would be. These people wake up between 5.30 and 6 usually. These are the COOs of my companies. Um, these are the people who write a list every day and go from step one to step two to step three. They're very organized, very good at managing, um, real type A personalities, but in a good way. The problem with being a lion, however, is because you wake up at 5.30, you're toast by 8.30 at night. I mean, it's really tough for these people to stay awake for very much longer than that. So socially, sometimes things don't work out so well. They make up about 15% of the population. Bears are my in-between group. They make up about 50% of the population. And these are my extroverts. Um, these are my people who... Um, are great kind of workers. They, they really can get a lot of the main work that's done in society. They get it done and they get it done quickly. Um, they're great at work-life balance. And these are the people that you love to hang out with at lunch because they're telling the funny story or they kind of know the gossip that's going on in the office, things like that. Um, and, and the world is placed on a bear's schedule. These are my solar creatures. They go to bed around 10.30. They wake up around 7.30. Next are my wolves, and I happen to be a wolf. Um, wolves are the night people. We're the folks who um, we're kind of on the introverted side. We're very creative. Uh, we're the musicians and the actors and the authors and the entrepreneurs many times. Um, and, um, and we're a little shy at first. You know, when we go to a party, we'll show up around 1030 and we'll kind of wait and kind of see if, if we like you or not. And once we like you, though, you really can't shut us up. We've become some of the most loyal friends you've ever had. And then the final category are dolphins. And I chose dolphins because most people don't know it, but dolphins sleep unihemispherically. So half of their brain is asleep while the other half is awake looking for predators. And I thought this was kind of a cool representation of my patients who don't sleep very well. So my dolphins are my problem sleepers, my problem children, I call them. Um, they're my type A personalities, but sometimes their, their neuroses or their, their obsessions get in the way. And it, and it makes it very, very difficult for them to be able to, to get things completed and accomplished. Um, Michael, we're going to go to break. I'm sorry, we're going to go to break right now. When we come back, we're going to learn more about these chronotypes with Dr. Michael Bruce, the sleep doctor. Stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you a busy, stressed, and hungry go-getter who knows what to do to get healthier but has trouble doing it? The problem with popular diets is that they were designed for other people, not you. Sure, they might work for the short term, but for the longer term results, you need a plan designed specifically for your unique body and lifestyle. How about the stress in your life? Do you ever stop and take a deep breath? Do you know what all this stress is doing to your health? Healthy living strategist and author of Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed, Lisa Lutan will get you on your way with coaching, online courses and challenges, and even retreats. You will learn tips and strategies to help you calm down, get healthy, and make you feel and look better than ever. For a limited time, Lisa Lutan is offering a free 15-minute breakthrough session to help you get started feeling better right away. Just visit HealthyHappyAndHip.com to get your free 15-minute breakthrough strategy session. That's HealthyHappyAndHip. Yes, you heard it right. HealthyHappyAndHip.com and enter your info in the contact page. 
Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. Feel like sending an email instead? Send it to Lisa at healthyhappyandhip.com. Now, back to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. Here again is Lisa Lutan. Welcome back. I'm talking to Dr. Michael Bruce, the sleep doctor, and we've been talking about the four different chronotypes. Michael, can you continue? Because this is just fascinating. You were telling us about the four different types right before the break. Absolutely. So we've gone through most of them. I was finishing up talking about the dolphin. And so, uh, again, the dolphin are my problem children. They're the people that have a tendency to have sleep problems, but they are super highly intelligent, fast talkers, get a lot of stuff done type of people. And the truth is, is that dolphins have a tendency to get more done than most people, but they think that they don't get enough done. So they're kind of hard on themselves sometimes. Um, But generally speaking, they're all great groups to work with. And they all have their kind of individual things that are going on with them that can be, you know, helpful, um, but can also be uh, difficult. And, and so when you're out of sync with your chronotype, right? So let's say you're a wolf like myself and it's a bear's world. You know, I'm supposed to get up by a certain time. I'm supposed to be doing things by a certain time. It makes it very, very difficult sometimes for me to be able to say, Hey, wow, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to try, I'm going to try and live in another person's chronotype because uh, that can be quite difficult. But why is it that like teenagers are all, for the most part, they all sleep late? I mean, I read things wolves. that they want to, they want to make high school start later because kids don't wake up at that time. Is it something that they start that way and then they change over the years? Exactly. So itty bitty babies um, have a tendency to uh, be more uh, lion esque. Um, then when you kind of get into the toddlers, grade schoolers, they have a tendency to be more bearish. And then when you hit adolescence, I have two teenagers um, in my home right now, and it's almost impossible to get them to wake up um, at any given time. If it was up to them, they would sleep until uh, they would, wouldn't go to bed until one or two o'clock in the morning, and they'd sleep until two o'clock in the afternoon. And that's genetically based. It's not their fault. Um, and and you, you mentioned school start times changing. That would absolutely uh, prove to be a very positive thing for most kids. There's data out of uh, the University of Minnesota that shows that uh, it, by changing school start times by one hour, um, kids went up a full letter grade in their first period. It didn't matter what the subject was. Wow. I know. It's amazing, right? That's unbelievable. I think for all of us, and one of the nice things I think, though, now that we are starting to live more in a virtual world where people can work from all over the place, I think more and more people can set their own work hours, which might, exactly. are there any studies done on this that it's helping us no, with I, our sleep? You know, telecommuting hasn't really kind of hit the sleep world yet, but the truth of the matter is, is if I had to guess, especially if your chronotype was one of the extremes, like a lion or a wolf, my guess would be that telecommuting would absolutely be a positive thing. Hmm. So what is, depending on your chronotype, are there better mm-hmm. times of day to, let's say, ask your boss for a raise or go for a run? Yeah, absolutely. 
so that's what the book is all about. And so once you, you can take the quiz online at thepowerofwhenquiz.com to figure out which one are you. Then from there, um, the book will teach you kind of like the day in the life of a dolphin or a lion or a bear, kind of give you what a perfect daily schedule might be. But don't worry about that part because I'm not expecting anybody to do that. That's just kind of an exercise in here's what would be a perfect day in the life of this chronotype. But what's really cool is the second half of the book, I take 50 different activities and I match timing of your hormones to timing of certain activities. So as an example, we know that there are certain circadian rhythms or things that happen to people um, that's either going to put them in a good mood or their, uh, their level of testosterone might be high or cortisol might be low or melatonin might be high. And so we can actually match people up to their hormones and make it more appropriate. So you, you picked a fun one, which is when to ask your boss for a raise. So there have been a couple of studies done looking at mood, um, and there's a couple of things to know that can happen. So number one, mood has a tendency to get better as we get later on in the week. I'm sure you can imagine the happiest day of the week is Friday um, because most people don't have to go to work on Saturday. Um, so Friday turns out to be a good day to ask your boss for a raise. Then as you get closer and closer to the end of the day, people also get happier and happier. So towards the end of the day, it's going to be better than the beginning of the day. Obviously, you want to watch out for lunchtime because what you don't want to do is catch your boss when they're, uh, that new word, hangry, right? So they're hungry, which makes them angry. You, you want to catch them when they're in a good mood. So the third thing you have to figure out is what is your boss's chronotype? Now, you might not be able to get them to take the quiz, but there's a one easy way to figure this out. So if your boss arrives at the office before everybody else, then they're probably a lion. If your boss shows up just about on time, they're probably a bear. If your boss is late on a regular basis um, to early morning meetings, then they're probably a wolf. And if you're getting emails from them at 2 o'clock in the morning, then they're probably a dolphin. So once you've kind of surmised what they are, then after lunch, you, you would rotate through. So around 1 o'clock, is, if your boss is a lion, around 1 o'clock on Friday afternoon would be a perfect time to talk to them about a race. Um, for a bear, it would be around 2.30. For a wolf, it might be as late as 4.30, 5 o'clock. At that point, you might as well just go to half the hour with them. Um, and for a dolphin, um, you actually might want to ask them earlier in the day, even though um, normally we like to say waiting till later in the day would work well. My bosses who are dolphins, um, if they've exercised early in the morning, have a tendency to be calm, cool, and kind of ready for anything. Okay, this is like blowing my mind, all this information. <laughs> I remember when I, I read the book, The Five Languages of Love, and I was like, oh, oh, my God, I have to figure out what everybody else's type is so that I know how to relate right. to them. And this is like the same thing. I think we have to just figure all this stuff out for everybody in our lives. Now, what about yeah. spouses that are married to each other and they have different chronotypes? That must get in the way, right? Yeah, so this is very interesting. Um, one of the things we've discovered is, is when one person buys the book, invariably they actually ask everybody in their house to take the quiz. Um, and it ends up being a really cool form of communication. And so as an example, um, I had my daughter take the quiz, and she's 13, and she is in full-blown adolescence. Um, I'm reasonably convinced that aliens came down and swooped in and stole my daughter and, and put an alien in her place because she acts <laughs> so little like herself these days. Um, and um, I pick her up from school. And so I pick her up around 3 o'clock, and um, I say, uh, her name's Carson. I say, hey, Carson, how was your day? And she says, fine. And I said, oh, did you make any new friends today? No. 
Do you have a lot of homework? Yes. Like, it's all these blunt one-word answers, right? If I go into her room at 1030 at night and I ask the exact same questions because I've done this, I can't get out of there in less than 45 minutes. Like, all of a sudden, she's this chatty Kathy, and I learn all kinds of interesting information of what's going on. She is not a morning person because of her age. She's a wolf, right? And uh, so it worked out really, really interesting in terms of that dynamic. Now, my wife and I, it turns out, are actually very similar. Um, And we found this out when we were dating uh, because I would say, and just looking back on it now, I would say, hey, do you want to go out uh, for dinner? Which time should I pick you up? And she says, oh, pick me up around 8. So we'd get to the restaurant. We finished dinner around 9.30. Uh, then we might go to a movie. Then we'd get out of the movie around, you know, 11.30, 12 o'clock. And then we might go for a drink or dessert. And we never thought about it, but our dates wouldn't end until 1 o'clock in the morning. But we were both on that schedule. So our brains kind of worked well. So your question is very poignant, which is, well, what happens if you're living with, married to, um, have a partner that is not your chronotype? Well, number one, read the book because you'll learn how to communicate better with that person. And I give very practical-based examples in the book. For example, uh, one of the big issues is when to, have, when to become intimate, when to have sex, right? And so th- that turns out to be very interesting. I actually created a matrix in the book where you put in your chronotype and then your partner puts in their chronotype, and I give you different times of day when your hormones would make the most sense to have sex. So what's fascinating about sex in particular, people always ask this question, um, is you need certain hormones for sex to work out really well, right? So um, one of them is testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, um, you need some cortisol, and you need some adrenaline. Well, since most people actually have sex around 11.30 at night, um, I'll give you one guess as to how, what the levels of those, of those hormones are at 1130 at night. Not too good. Exactly. They're all low, <laughs> right? Right. And, and, and melatonin is high, right? And you want the opposite to occur to have sex. You want all of those hormones to be high and you want melatonin to be low. Well, guess what? The best time to have sex is in the mornings. Um, and so one of the things I tell people, I give people permission. I give them the prescription, if you will, of, hey, I understand that this might not be something you can do every morning, but Saturday morning, you know, see what happens if at, you know, 8.30 in the morning, uh, you know, you and your partner, uh, you know, decide to become intimate. You will be surprised at the performance uh, of both people as well as the connection from both people. But is that true for every chronotype? Well, I give different times for different chronotypes. And and it's interesting because um, it depends. So, like, as an example, um, Women who are lions have a tendency to really prefer sex early in the morning, um, but many women across the board would actually prefer, just from a what is your personal preference survey, um, somewhere between 6 and 12 at night. So there's a little bit of, of uh, investigation that you kind of have to do. Of course, men, interestingly, men will be happy to have sex whenever it's offered. so true listen we have a caller on the line Linda from Massachusetts Linda can you hear us hello yes I can hear you hi welcome to the show hi very interesting Um, listening to all this it's not about my question but me and my husband are definitely early birds and it's I've been married for 26 years so it works out well it would be difficult if we lived on the opposite ends of the day so it definitely helps your marriage if you're the same type Uh, you know what and I agree with you because both my wife and I are wolves and um, and so we find it makes it, it just makes it easier for us just in terms of schedules I agree 
Thank you. So I don't think is, I and, and I my Sorry, go ahead, What's Linda. That? No, my yeah. question is, I apologize if you had covered this because I'm in work but and someone had come into my office, but I am definitely, just like Lisa, get up at uh, 3.30 in the morning, and definitely mm-hmm. this was never an issue till I hit menopause. And I have to say, I do take melatonin, and I didn't know what okay. your thoughts were on that, and or sure. uh, are there any supplements or teas or anything that will help you mm-hmm. stay asleep? I have no problem falling asleep. It's that right. staying asleep. Sure. So this is a great topic. So melatonin, um, first of all, everybody should know melatonin is a, um, it's a hormone. It's not a herb or a supplement. It's actually a hormone. Um, and it's not regulated by the FDA. So we have to be kind of careful because we wouldn't just walk down to the local health food store and buy, you know, testosterone, right, or estrogen. Right, um, right. So we have, to, we have to be a little careful with it. 95% of melatonin is currently sold in an overdosage format, which is a little on the scary side. Um, uh, you shouldn't be taking more than between a half and one milligram, and most of it is in three, five, and ten milligrams. So remember, between one half and one milligram, and it's not a sleeping pill. It's a sleep regulator, not a sleep initiator. So what it does is it, it'll help you stay asleep longer, but it should be taken approximately 90 minutes before lights out. So between a half a milligram and one milligram is the dose, and then 90 minutes before you turn your lights out would be the appropriate um, time to use it. Now, you mentioned an interesting situation, which is menopause. So one of the things that we know is as women go through menopause, we also know that that's about the time when they, their uh, pineal gland naturally slows down in the production of melatonin. So actually, I don't have a real problem with you taking melatonin as long as it's the right dose and using the right timing um, w- while, you're, while you're going through life's change of menopause because it would make sense that your body may not be producing enough melatonin right now. Is it so better right. to so take it every night? Three. It's uh, almost every night um, lately, and it's time release, which was recommended by my gynecologist, but it is yep. three grams. It's not one. And I've now that I've been listening, every time I hear anything about melatonin, you know, my ears perk up, and I've been hearing that that is too big of a dose. So I, I, I would honestly tell you that you'll get roughly the same effect if you... Um, if you don't, uh, if, if you scale back your dose, um, you're probably just peeing it out. Um, the other thing <laughs> is we have to be careful because melatonin yeah. can't interact with um, high blood pressure medication um, and some antidepressants. So, again, I don't know what, uh, what else you're on, um, but, you know, speaking with your doctor, I think it makes intuitive sense to kind of think through it. Um, but I would say definitely lower the dosage because you'll probably get roughly the same effect, if not better. Well, thank you. That's great advice. Thank you. Sure, no problem. Thanks for calling, Linda. Bye-bye. Bye. So why are they selling it in three and five milligrams? I don't think uh, I've ever even seen one milligram. Question. So it's fascinating. So the, the rumor is that there was a, a researcher out of MIT, his name is Dr. Wirt, uh, and he actually was able to patent the dose of uh, between a half and one milligram. And um, most of the supplement companies don't want to pay him the royalty for that dose. And so they just put in more. Hmm. That's why. That's, that's the rumor. I don't know if that's, if that's it for a fact or not, but that's the rumor. Interesting. Can we that's make up for lost sleep? Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Um, <laughs> you can make up for about 30 minutes of it. But if you, if you sleep in much more than 30 minutes, what ends up happening 
is um, your body circadian rhythm begins to shift. And so you, you get what we call social jet lag. So social jet lag, which is kind of a, a funny name, is you stay up late on Friday, sleep in a little on Saturday, stay up late on Saturday, sleep in on Sunday. And guess what? Your body wants to stay up late on Sunday and sleep in on Monday. So, you, so it literally only takes one or two nights of not waking up at roughly the same time for you to, um, for your body clock to shift. Hmm. Now, everywhere you read that you're supposed to get your eight hours of sleep, what if your body just doesn't sleep that long? So eight hours is a myth, okay? Um, very, very few people need exactly eight hours of sleep. I personally have been between a six and a half and a seven hour sleep for my entire life. Um, and I go to bed at midnight, I'm up around 6.30, and it works out perfect for me. Um, a lot of people are like that as well. So what I would tell people is don't get caught up in the I need eight hours. What you do is um, you, you figure out, uh, well, actually, I'll give everybody a, a formula. So let's say you have a socially determined wake-up time of 6.30, like in my case. Well, we know that the average sleep cycle is 90 minutes long, and we know that the average person has five of those sleep cycles. So five times 90 is 450 minutes divided by 60 per hour gives us seven and a half hours. So if you normally wake up at 6.30, count back seven and a half hours, and that's when you turn out the lights. Try that for one week and see, are you waking up just before 6.30? Because if you are, then you figured out what your bedtime should be. Um, but if you're still needing the alarm, then maybe you need to go to bed a little bit earlier than 11 o'clock. And you'll, you tinker around with it until you can find just your right bedtime. Because again, your wake-up time at least five days a week is usually socially determined with work or school or kids or whatnot. And we're going to be going to the break in a minute, but I really want to talk about how technology and how our use of technology at night is impacting our falling asleep and staying asleep because I have no doubt that it absolutely does. So So stay tuned, everybody. I'm here with Dr. Michael Bruce, the sleep doctor. And when we get back, we're going to be talking about more tips to help you get that sleep you're desperately craving. Stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you a busy, stressed, and hungry go-getter who knows what to do to get healthier but has trouble doing it? The problem with popular diets is that they were designed for other people, not you. Sure, they might work for the short term, but for the longer term results, you need a plan designed specifically for your unique body and lifestyle. How about the stress in your life? Do you ever stop and take a deep breath? Do you know what all this stress is doing to your health? Healthy living strategist and author of Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed, Lisa Lutan will get you on your way with coaching, online courses and challenges, and even retreats. You will learn tips and strategies to help you calm down, get healthy, and make you feel and look better than ever. For a limited time, Lisa Lutan is offering a free 15-minute breakthrough session to help you get started feeling better right away. Just visit HealthyHappyAndHip.com to get your free 15-minute breakthrough strategy session. That's Healthy, Happy, and Hip. Yes, you heard it right. HealthyHappyAndHip.com and enter your info in the contact page. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You 
are listening to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. Feel like sending an email instead? Send it to Lisa at HealthyHappyAndHip.com. Now, back to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. Here again is Lisa Lutan. Welcome back to the show. I'm talking today with Dr. Michael Bruce, who is the sleep doctor. Just before the break, we started talking about technology and how that is impacting our sleep. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. So there's two aspects of technology that have to do with sleep. One is technology that's being used in the bedroom late at night that keeps us awake. And then there's kind of a whole new section because I just got back from the consumer electronics show looking at what is new in technology to help people sleep. So we'll talk about both. So number one, we know that the light that is emitted from a tablet or a phone or even a laptop uh, can fall into the spectrum of blue light. So 460 to 480 nanometers. And we know that that wavelength hits a very specific cell in the eye called melanopsin cells. And these cells trigger the brain to either turn on or turn off the melatonin faucet in the brain. And so blue light turns off melatonin. Um, Now, can you get blue light from your television? You can, but it's so far across the room. You've heard it here. I'm the only sleep doctor in the universe that says it's okay to fall asleep with the television on. Um, If that's one of the ways that helps you kind of distract your brain to fall asleep, 95% of TVs have a, uh, in their software, have a TV timer. Uh, involved, and so people can just go to the timer and then switch it off after 45 minutes. Um, but the reason I don't like laptops and uh, tablets and telephones is because they're within two feet of your face, right? And so the proximity is much, much closer. Also, um, when you're watching TV to fall asleep, generally speaking, you're not watching, you're listening, um, and you're probably watching or listening to a rerun of Seinfeld or, you know, something like that. And so it's it's not something that's really catching your attention. But if you're watching, you know, Game of Thrones or trying to get your best score on Candy Crush or, you know, you're on Facebook, um, these are emotionally much more engaging. And so I, I try to have people use an electronic curfew approximately one hour before bed. We just keep all electronics off. Charge your phone in a different room. Don't use your tablets. Again, if you want to watch television, that's fine. But generally speaking, we know that this blue light has a pretty big effect. Now, Is one hour really enough? I always thought it was two hours. No, you can, I mean, it depends on, some people are more sensitive to light than others. Um, the way I look at blue light is I kind of look like it, I kind of look at it kind of like a cup of, cup of coffee for a lot of people. Um, if you can go for two hours, that's great, but I find that most of my patients can't live without their electronics for two hours before bed, which is kind of a sad state of affairs. It sure is, but it's so true. Yeah, now technology in the bedroom has gotten to be very, very interesting lately. Um, I was uh, actually at the Consumer Electronics Show, and there was a bed there made by um, Select Comfort, you know, the sleep number people, and mm-hmm. they have put sensors inside the bed that can tell what stage of sleep you're in, and it can actually move the bed as your body gets more and more pressure from lying in certain uh, positions. It has a sensor that can hear your snoring and gently lift the head of the bed. I mean, this thing, it's like the bed of the future, and it's really cool. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty. Can it can it kick your husband if he's snoring? So so it will hear your husband snoring, and then it will raise the head of the bed and take gravity out of the equation. And nine times out of ten, the volume or the decibel level of the snoring will decrease. It's fascinating. 
I never heard anything like that. That's amazing. Amazing. That's pretty cool. So, okay. So talking more about like bedtime rituals, you know, they say read a boring book, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about really that last hour that you're awake? Is there a ritual that you recommend? There is. So I created this thing. I call it the power down hour, right? And so I take one hour before lights out. So you've, let's say you've figured out what your bedtime should be from our calculation earlier in the show. And now you've got an hour before that. So let's say your bedtime is normal. It's going to be 11. So at 10 o'clock, I have people set an alarm on their uh, alarm clock to tell them it's time to go to bed. So they have to get up and go into their bedroom to turn off that alarm. And then they get the social cues of like, oh, that's right, Dr. Bruce, we've got to do this. So now you've got one hour. You break it up into three 20-minute segments. The first 20 minutes are for things that you just have to get done. Otherwise, it'll drive you crazy all night. So in our house, it's getting kids' backpacks together, getting my briefcase, uh, finding shoes, making lunches, those kind of things. Then 20 minutes for hygiene. And uh, during that 20-minute uh, period of time, one of the things that I talk with people about um, is making sure that your bathroom lights aren't too bright. So if you have a dimmer switch in your bathroom, turn the dimmer switch on because a lot of uh, women in particular who are removing makeup or things like that, it's almost like you could perform surgery in their bathrooms, right? I mean, the light is just whoosh. It's, it's so bright. And again, Bright light at night is telling your brain not to go to sleep. It's telling it in the morning. Um, or, and or taking a nice bubble bath. Now, you might find that kind of funny. Why would you know, the sleep doctor talk about a bubble bath? And a bubble bath in particular, because when you do a bubble bath, the bubbles lay across the water and form a layer of insulation and keeps the water hotter longer. So it will raise your core body temperature. And when you get out of the bathtub, that drop in core body temperature is actually a signal to your brain to release melatonin. So doing your hygiene, taking a hot shower or bath right before bed can actually be helpful in getting you to sleep. And then the final 20 minutes, um, I, have people, I, I ask people to use it for uh, meditation, relaxation, prayer, reading scripture, whatever really works um, for you in terms of something calm and relaxing. Um, for some people, it's watching uh, you know, or listening to the television. For some people, it's reading. Um, if you are reading... Um, be careful about those bedside table lamps because some of those can, you know, affect your, have that blue light. So either use blue blocking glasses. Uh, the ones that I use are called Swanwick blue blocking glasses. I like them the most. Um, or change the light bulbs in your bedside table. Uh, I worked with a company a while back called Lighting Science Group, and they actually created light bulbs that have a filter that filter out the blue light. And so, and it's almost imperceptible. And so I can still read by my bedside table lamp, but I don't have to worry because that light has got a filter in it that filters out the blue light for me. Do you know any clocks that don't have blue light? I literally put a towel over my clock yeah. every single night before I go to sleep, and I've never seen one that has something different. So it, so it turns out that red light is okay, but blue light is not so good. And, and um, it has more to do with the wavelength than the actual color, um, but um, uh, iHome, actually just came out with a new product called Zenergy, Z-E-N-E-R-G-Y. And I, I'm working with them on it, so full disclosure. Uh, and uh, they actually have an alarm clock that has specialty lighting to help you fall asleep, and the numbers themselves are illuminated in a way that should not um, have an effect on your ability to fall asleep. I think it's a great idea because I've searched. I mean, I've really searched for a clock that doesn't have that, and I haven't yet to find one. So if that's coming out, hallelujah. Yeah, it now, has its challenges for sure. 
I know a lot of people these days are taking sleeping pills like Ambien and other things, right. and I, right. I'm a little scared of that stuff. What are the long-term risks and benefits? So it's kind of interesting. Um, and so I'm neither a proponent nor uh, an antagonist for sleeping pills. I think that there are certain people who just need certain sleeping pills at certain times. Uh, you know, if you've been diagnosed with cancer, guess what? You're going to have a sleeping pill. If you have bipolar disorder or you have an anxiety disorder, you may require a sleeping pill. Um, there are certain circumstances where it's necessary, but I don't think that the number of sleeping pills that are currently prescribed is appropriate. I think there are far more people out there who are using sleeping pills where it may be unnecessary. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I had patients in my, in my clinic, and sometimes they come in and they say, you know, I've been taking this sleeping pill for five years, ten years, and it doesn't work. And I said, well, why do you still take it if it doesn't work? And they look at me and they say, can you imagine how bad my sleep would be if I didn't take it? And it's so fascinating that they have this, this psychological, fear. not necessarily addiction, but fear, exactly, fear of what's going to happen to them if they don't take their sleeping pill every night. Um, and so you end up with more than one problem if you start taking a sleeping pill for an extended period of time. Now, does that mean that I don't work with people who take sleeping pills? No, of course not. 95% of the patients that come through my door are already on a sleeping pill. And so the goal is usually to slowly taper the sleeping pill with the help of their doctor. So whoever their prescribing doctor is, we give them a call and we say, hey, we want to try to lower the dose and maybe even get them off of the dose. And by the way, every single doctor that I talk to is thrilled with this idea. I've never had a prescribing doctor who's prescribing a sleeping pill where I called up and said, hey, the patient and I want to work with you to slowly taper them off the medication, say, no, 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 that's a bad idea. Um, almost every single one of them has said, great, let's figure this out. And so we do that while doing cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, which is talk therapy, and it really teaches people a lot more about the behaviors at night as well as how do they think about sleep. And between those two, it's been actually shown to not only be more effective than sleeping pills, but actually last longer. So I try to move people away from sleeping pills whenever possible. Now, there's another, those are prescription sleeping pills. We also have to talk about over-the-counter sleep aids, right? And so there, everything out there that's got a PM associated with it would be considered an over-the-counter sleep aid. Um, I think there are appropriate times for these, especially if you're somebody who has pain. So one of the things we know is that pain and sleep don't mix very well. And so by taking one of these PM medications on occasion, I'm not saying every night, but on occasion, actually, they can, I think they can be very helpful in certain situations. But if you find that you're having to use one of those PMs every single night, you should probably stop, talk to your doctor about seeing a sleep specialist because the likelihood is, is there's something else that's probably going on. Uh, the final category are supplements. Um, and actually, I'm a fan of supplements uh, to a certain degree. Um, there are a lot of people out there who um, have deficiencies in certain vitamins, certain minerals, um, and those deficiencies can lead to sleep problems. And so uh, a lot of the supplements have a vitamin component to them. Um, also, some of the more natural supplements, the valerians, the hops, um, things like that, can actually be uh, very calming and, and work out quite well for people. So I, I'm not uh, saying that everybody needs a pill to sleep by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I would say that most people don't. But if you're going to, I would follow some of these guidelines. What about magnesium? Does that help I with love sleep? It. I love magnesium. I'm going to teach everybody a cool it. recipe, okay? So yes. A magnesium turns out to be very, very helpful for sleep. And most people, by the way, are deficient in magnesium. 
Did you know that bananas are loaded with magnesium? I did not know that. So bananas are like superfoods for magnesium. And believe it or not, the peel of the banana has got like two to three times the amount of magnesium as the fruit itself. Do you eat the peel? No, I'm going to teach you something (laughs) that's more fun than that. So what you do is you get an organically grown banana and you wash wash it off to get all the dirt and stuff off of it. You cut off the stem and the tip. You cut, the, you cut it in half, leave the peel on and the fruit in it, okay? You drop it into about three to four cups of boiling water, and you let it boil for about four to five minutes or until the banana turns brown. And then you steep the water, and you drink the water. It's, if, if you like bananas, it's delicious. I call it banana tea, and uh, you can add a little honey or a little cinnamon to taste, and it is super calming, loaded with magnesium. It's a great nighttime beverage. Do you have that recipe on your website? Uh, yeah, I think we did. And I put it out okay. on uh, Facebook all the time. So if people out there just uh, go to my Facebook page, uh, feel free to join, and um, you'll find that I've got the banana tea recipe right there. Well, we're coming to a close, so I would love for you to let our listeners know all the different ways that they can reach you in the name of your book again, because this has been just amazing and so much great information. Okay, well, thank you for having me. Uh, I can't believe it happened. It flew by so fast. Um, I know, I know. So tell everybody where they can reach you. Sure. So if people want to find me, you can go to thesleepdoctor.com. That's my website. Uh, The same handle on Twitter and Facebook. Please join up. And then if you want to learn more about my new book um, and take the quiz, it's thepowerofwhenquiz.com. Thepowerofwhenquiz.com. I think you'll have a lot of fun with it and certainly learn a few things along the way. Well, this has been so wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. It did go way too fast. We'll have to have you back again. (laughs) I would love it. Great. Everyone, it's been a great time with you today. This is Lisa Lutan. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions for me, please visit my website at www.healthyhappyandhip.com. That's healthyhappyandhip.com. Drop me a note. I'd love to hear your feedback on the show and love to hear what else is going on in your life. So take care and I hope you have a fabulous day. you've enjoyed today's episode on busy stressed and food obsessed did you get some great ideas from today's show join lisa lutan again next thursday at 9 a.m pacific time and 12 noon eastern time on the voice america health and wellness channel have a great week